The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. And welcome to a brand new episode of your favorite list-making show, Eat Sleep List, right here on the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Matt Johnson, your host today, The Solo List. We're going to do every other week. We're going to try every other week uh, to do a, a solo list. Um, I like them. They're, uh, they're fun. They're at my time convenience. And... Uh, yeah, solo lists are a good time. It really allows me to think, sit back and think, and uh, you know how I would. Uh, I, well, I get extra. I get. I guess I get extra turns, right? I get twenty. Uh, I get to make a list of twenty. So, um, so yeah. So I'm really excited. I know the show hasn't come out yet, but this earlier this week, uh, um, in fact, two days ago, the uh, the new trailer for the Obi Wan series had uh, had dropped, and I've been on this really big Star Wars kick lately. Um, you know, we are starting a new podcast soon, a once a month podcast, Star Wars discussion podcast. Myself, Brian, uh, my good friend Brian, who's been on the show multiple times, Johnny, who's been on the show multiple times, and I've just been in the Star Wars just zone as of late. Uh, it's all it's consuming every th- a lot of things. I guess it's uh, filling the void of football for me right now. But um, my my extracurricular like interests, like um, f- you know, favorite franchise and stuff, it kind of goes in cycles a lot. But uh, this is like it, it. You know, I always love them, but there's always like a stretch of time where I'm just like absolutely enamored and. Uh, it's the only thing that I can think about, and right now Star Wars is that, you know, with the uh, the last uh, the season, the Book of Boba Fett, which was, you know, absolutely. I thought it it, it finished strong, not a good start, but it, you know, the episode five, I believe it was, seeing Luke Skywalker, uh, end of episode four. I think it was episode no it was that episode as well seeing Cad Bane and all these characters have really just you know just. Um, it it like it's literally it's it's pushed it forward and i am i'm enamored again i love star wars again it has been a long you know it has been a long a while since i've been absolutely like uh just just immersed in it uh the, you know the sequel trilogy really didn't do it for me so today with that really you know with that release of course that trailer i thought it'd be a good time uh for myself to kind of go through th- really think about rank well, list, which is what we do here. Uh, my top twenty favorite Star Wars characters. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's what we're gonna do today. I'm gonna go through, you know, twenty twenty down from twenty to one. There's, you know, Star Wars is so vast. I know there's, you know, a ton of main characters, expanded universe. Uh, you know, which is a lot of it's considered legends now. A lot of the stuff that I grew up on. Um, you know, between the video games and. Uh, you know all that. It's Star Wars is such a massive universe, and I think that's why I love it so much. Is that there is a character for everybody. I feel, and you know the worlds are vast. The, um, 
you know, the characters are vast. The the science is like it's fun. The lightsabers, everything that goes with it, and there's so much room for for mystery, I guess. For uh, you know, f- well, for you know, books for expanding upon the story. There's so much room on it. Uh, you know, there's there's so much room for it. It's not just the movies and the core stuff. There's so much room for expansion, whether it be comic books or anything like that. So, um, so what I wanted to do, yeah, so we're going to go through my top 20, uh, top 20 favorite Star Wars characters of all time. And I'll give a little, little bit about each and every one of them. And, uh, yeah, we'll get through this in a pretty fair amount of time. So, uh, let's get this thing started. All right. My number 20 favorite Star Wars character. All right. I I feel like if you're going to have a list of Star Wars characters, uh, you know, whether it's a top five, a top ten, maybe. I think a lot of people hold, you know, some of these characters in high regard. But uh, this is where C-3PO lands on my list. C-3PO comes in at number 20. Um, you know, the uh, everybody's favorite protocol droid, annoyingly sometimes. Uh, of course, built by Anakin when he was a boy and found his way for a... Uh, you know, found his way through all of the movies somehow, some way. Uh, I didn't really care for his usage in the sequel trilogy. They like faked that he was going away forever, and then he kind of came back and, and and whatnot. They've, but but that's it's been cool that three PO and and you know his his companion who was also on my list, um, you know have just just found their way in every in every movie somehow, some way. They've they've you know been across. Uh, you know, Star Wars lore forever. I mean, they're they're droids. They're they're absolutely timeless, and they keep finding ways to, to make them relevant. So, uh, C-3PO, uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot he can do, <laughs> right? He's a he's an interpreter, a protocol droid, and and uh, you know that's kind of it. He's he's for a few funny lines here and there, um, but that's kind of where he sits in uh, in my top twenty list. So C-3PO is number twenty. Number 19, the epitome of coolness back in the 80s. And he's still pretty cool this day, too. Um, this is where I'm going to put Lando Calrissian. I know he's a he's a, probably a top five or top tenner for a lot of people. Lando is great, and I, I definitely wanted to include him on this list. Um, he was. He was the epitome of cool. Billy D. Williams is, you know, handled his character so great. Uh I thought he did a really, really good job of it, you know, good job of it, and he was Jabba of it. <laughs> um, terrible joke there. But Lando was the epitome of coolness. We meet him in Episode 5. You know, he has Cloud City to himself. He starts off as kind of a douche. You don't really like him. You know he's cool, but there's something. There's just something about him that you don't trust. And then by the end of Episode 5, of course, he, you know, he he does what's right. And he, you know, joins the, the group he joins everybody, uh, Luke, you know, Han, Leia, Chewbacca, the whole the whole hero group, and he's just uh, you know he's a he's just a fun character, a badass, and just funny. He almost like a, I wouldn't say comic relief, but he he added a cool funniness to those Star Wars films, and uh, yeah, really like his his backstory, his relationship with Han Solo. Over the, the the stretch of movies, um, I didn't. 
and again, this is what you know. This is just me speaking. I didn't necessarily care for the solo movie, so. Um, but he, I didn't. He wasn't played bad like at all. But I just didn't care for the solo movie portrayal. But I mean, it's always gonna be Billy D. Williams. Uh, sequel trilogy. They did a. Uh, you know, they, they they used him. I don't know. I feel like it was. You know, it was cool that he was he was the last surviving one. He got to kind of you know go all the way and advance and what he he lived past all the original heroes essentially. But uh, it was a really shame, really a shame that we never got to see all four of those together. But Lando Calrissian lands at number nineteen for myself. Uh, number eighteen. I don't know why I have a fascination with this character, <laughs> but he does look cool. All right, um, I'm talking about Bounty Hunter IG88. I his uh, I don't know. I, I like. I feel like some of the you know Boba, Jango, all those characters. You know, it, it, there's a lot of that are just mainstream. I guess Bosk, uh, a couple other ones, but IG88 is for some reason my favorite. The fact that there's a bounty hunter droid, um, you know, out there and can do a whole lot, uh, pretty tough. It, it, honestly, his, his action figure was really cool. That's why I've always en- you know enjoyed him. But I mean, what what a crazy concept! A, a bounty hunter droid, a, a droid who <laughs> really shouldn't have any need for money, but he's still a bounty hunter. <laughs> if you really like get to the nitty gritty of it, he's, I mean, he's a droid. What material possessions or anything would he want? Why, why would, does he want to live lavishly? But He's there. He's there, and uh, he's he's pretty cool. I like to when I play the Lego Star Wars game. He's one of my favorite selections to to use for for some of the bounty hunter missions. Uh, whenever I can, whenever I can get my hands on him. But yeah, IG eighty eight is number eighteen for me. Number seventeen. Number seventeen. He's uh, he to me. To me, this guy, this character um, carried the sequel trilogy for me, and he's my only real sequel trilogy uh, character, only one, Um, and I'm talking about Kylo Ren, all right? Adam Driver played this role really, really well. You know, a lot of people don't necessarily agree with me on that take, and that's fine, but, you know... uh, out of a lot of characters that are largely forgettable, right, in the grand scheme of Star Wars. You know, Finn was kind of reduced to nothing. You know, Ray was obviously a feature character. I didn't, you know, didn't hate her, but didn't quite love her either. either. But Kylo's arc was the most intriguing, I think, and relatively consistent throughout the entire series as well, right? Um, you know, Ray's story jumped around a lot. You know, she didn't have her training, and uh, it was it was bad. But for me, Kylo was was the highlight and in the real true star of the sequel trilogy. Um, his unique lightsaber with the uh, with the kind of the cross crossbar thing um, was a cool take on the lightsaber. Um, you know, his Skywalker bloodline was interesting. He seemed to be the most relevant of, well, obviously he was, of the, the Knights of Ren. And his betrayal of Snoke was kind of interesting. Uh, 
that was like one of the very few cool moments of the sequel trilogy was all that. And his turn to the light side was, uh, his return to the light side was, was, was pretty neat. Um, I don't care for his storyline as far as how he turned to the dark side. I thought it was a very poor usage of Luke, but that's, that's not why we're talking about these characters today. Um, I really do. I thought that I thought Kylo Ren was, or Ben Solo was, uh, was very uniquely done, very uniquely done. And, you know, it, his turn to the good side was was cool, and uh, the only thing I'm don't care for is that the fact that he died at the end of, uh, you know, I, I wish in Star Wars there was a, a redemption arc, and maybe there is deep in in lore, comic book stuff like that, but I wish there was like this redemption arc where a character survived and didn't die at the end. Like how cool would it have been for Ben Solo and Ray to to be together at the very end of this, you know. Um, be together at the end of the story. Maybe. I mean, I don't know that I would have liked to see that. That was, that's the only really case that I would be interested in a, a sequel, sequel trilogy is, is more Kylo Ren, but like he's gone, he's done. And there's not a whole lot of, you know, meat on the bones. As far as that goes, people aren't screaming for, uh, Kylo Ren, you know, expanded universe stuff right now. Um, it's kind of it for his character. It's kind of stonewalled there. So, but Kylo Ren is my number seventeen choice. Uh, really did enjoy the character. His mask was kind of goofy, um, but uh, I, I like I liked his his arc and his his redemption arc. You know, being the child of of Han and Leia was uh, was neat. And of course, the grandson of, of Anakin Skywalker. So, uh, Kylo Ren, number seventeen, number sixteen. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put uh, Han Solo. Han Solo. I know this is gonna shock a lot of people. I'm such a force user, like I'm force user heavy when it comes to a lot of these characters. Um, love the Jedi. Han is cool, and honestly, to be in my top twenty, uh, when there's so many character interests, I get you know characters I could put in here. Uh, you know, I he, he, Harrison Ford would play the role great. I, I don't want to take anything away from it. Uh, it, it was, you know, it was masterful. It was really, really well done. It, it's a shame that he didn't love the role as much as, well, maybe he loved it, but didn't like, you know, hone in on it. You know, his his thoughts on, you know, Star Wars fans and stuff. He wanted to get killed in the trilogy as often as possible. They killed him off right away in the sequel trilogy, I believe, to his request. I believe. Um uh, but yeah, Han's storyline is uh, you know a, a nice, cool redemption one as well. He starts you know with the you know being a, a a spice trader, a smuggler, so to speak, and his you know redemption arc and fighting the empire becomes a really good leader is uh, is really neat. Is really neat. But I'm I, I'm 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 flashy. I like the lightsabers. I like the force, and uh, but yeah, no shame. No no shame in Han Solo. I. You know, I I thought we could have did without the solo movie. I know a lot of people. Uh, there's, there's again, there's people who really enjoy that, but um, I thought we could have done without the the solo movie. The series might have been cool. A TV series might have been cool. I know because of that happening is that why we're getting a lot. We're getting a lot of the Disney Plus shows um, stretched out instead of we're getting you know instead of Star Wars movies. But yeah, sixteen 
Han Solo. Number 15. I'm going to put our uh, our favorite double-bladed lightsaber uh, horned, horned character, Mr. Darth Maul. Man, Darth Maul was such a badass. So cool. Uh, and I'm in a, in a sense, I'm glad that they redeemed him. They, not redeemed. Well, yeah, I guess they brought him back to life. I think he's too popular a character to just kind of just kill off. Uh, I could see where people are annoyed, you know, with with that uh, pop culture nowadays. There's a lot of money, you know. There's pop culture movies. There's a lot of mo- money in keeping certain characters alive, certain popular characters where you can draw it out, right? They, who knows? Maybe someday there'll be a Darth Maul series. I know they did tease him at the end of uh, at the end of of Solo. He's been in Clone Wars. He was in Rebels, and you know he's a he's a pretty unique character. Um, but I'll never forget being in the movie theater, nineteen ninety nine, seeing Star Wars Episode One for the very first time, and you know Darth Maul comes up. He's got the double bladed lightsaber. And he just looks cool. He's so unique. You know, and I think that's what made him stand out. He wasn't just a general character. He didn't say anything either. He was super, not straight-laced, but um, less is more. I think he had two lines of dialogue in that movie. And instantaneously, people were like, oh, wow, Darth Maul. Who would win? Darth Maul, Darth Vader. And it just became this huge comparison thing, this big-time comparison thing. But uh, you know, Maul's run on top was was short as far as being a Sith Lord. But his time away from being a Sith, still using the lightsaber, he has the mechanical legs, and uh, you know, just getting into certain avenues. I really liked his, you know, in Clone Wars when he comes back, he ends up fighting uh, Darth Sidious, and you know, there's there's some cool storylines there. Teaming up with Ahsoka to escape. Uh, he knows that, you know, of course he knows ahead of time with the, the plans of, uh, you know, Sidious to, to groom Anakin Skywalker, take over the galaxy. It's 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 this long thing that, that Maul has, you know, always been in the know. But um, back when, I think it was 99 or 2000, my cousin actually dressed up as Darth Maul for Halloween. And he got the he he took the he he bought one of those plastic well his parents bought him uh, one of those plastic double bladed red lightsabers and you know I'd always had the Luke one or the Darth Vader one I had an Obi Wan one and uh, man oh, so cool it was so there was Darth Darth Maul was on everything right he was on the toy packages he was on uh, you know you get like the silhouette of his face or just half his face covered in shadow but you know he light up sneakers everything. And uh, Darth Maul was, you know, was our for for a lot of for a generation of Star Wars fans who didn't grow up with the original trilogy. He was he was our Sith Lord, right? He was he was the the, the cool one, the big face of the Sith, essentially. Um, so Darth Maul comes in at number fifteen for me. Really, really cool character, and a lot of good fantasy like matchups, I guess, duels, and you know, it's cool that he outlived his character a lot longer than people. Realized, I think, uh, and that little final showdown he had with Obi Wan in season three of Rebels was, you know, I, I would have it would have been cool to see a, a much bigger duel, but it was this this powerful moment, you know, to, it was it was neat to see him live as I guess as long as he had to, uh, 
you know, surviving Order 66. Not that he was targeted targeted or anything, but, you know, survive most of that 20-year gap in between Episode 3 and 4. So Darth Maul, number 15. Love the character. Um, really, really cool. Really, really cool character. Uh, number 14 for me is a character that has really grown on me recently as I've delved into the animated series stuff. Uh, it took me a while to really like appreciate her and her character, but Ahsoka Tano is, uh, I have her at number 14 and a, you know, huge part of the Clone Wars, a, um, you know, if you never watched the Clone Wars series, you never know, you know what I mean? You couldn't really appreciate her until the Clone Wars series. You find out that she's Anakin's apprentice, which, you know, and for me, it was so tough transitioning to accepting those cartoons as as lore and canon because you know there's no mention of her in episode three you know dave filoni and company did a good job of of making it make sense but you know what i mean there's no mention of her in episode three there's yeah there's very there's no live action so it was hard for me and i actually didn't start watching the the cartoon until covid hit two years ago i started watching uh clone wars heavily Binge watching it, and really, really grew an appreciation for the character. Of course, seeing her live action uh, Rosario da- Rosario Dawson in Mandalorian season two was uh, it was a treat. She looked great, and she got all the mannerisms uh, of Ahsoka Tano right. Um, and you know what? This past with uh, you know this past the, the season of Book of Bo- I, I want to say Mando season three because this. Is, episodes were the best but um you know seeing Ahsoka Tano and Luke Skywalker together was like this this fantasy thing I was like oh man we'll probably never ever get to see that but it produced one of my favorite lines of of you know this this Disney plus live action era and you know so much like your father and it made me smile because you know, clone. It, you don't get to see. There's not a whole lot of crossover, like interaction references with the original trilogy and prequel trilogy. You know, understandably so f- from the original trilogy. But now that we have this expanded stuff, like Disney Plus and the sequel trilogy, you get to. Um, you know, you get to you get to hear these characters reference each other. You know, and. For Ahsoka to be interacting with Luke Skywalker, the the son of her apprentice, all these, or her, her master, her former master, was really neat. And her duel with Darth Vader in Rebels was tremendous, tremendous, really, really good. A lot of emotion, and uh, you know, it becomes this. It's it's probably one of my it's my definitely my favorite lightsaber like animated lightsaber duel to watch. It's really impressive what they did um, with that. You know, she's trying to turn to the lights. She thinks she's got him for a little bit, and then he reverts back to Darth Vader, and it was awesome. And Ahsoka uses the double, you know, the double white lightsaber. Uh, she, two, you know, she does the two side, two, two individual lightsabers, but she uses them uh, the way that she does. Really cool. I like her stance, but yeah, everything about Ahsoka is is awesome. She's really, really warmed up, warm done. I warmed up to her recently. Everyone's, you know, always hyping her up. I try to do like these mini Star Wars tournaments and stuff, dual tournaments. Everyone's like, "Why is Ahsoka? Where's Ahsoka?" And I'm like, "I don't get the hype." But 
if you don't get the hype, I think you really have to go watch the Clone Wars cartoon and, you know, bits of Rebels. But she's actually a pretty cool character. Number 13. I think, I wouldn't say he's the newest character. But uh, for me, he is the best part of the the Mandalorian uh, arc. And that's Grogu, our baby Yoda, as, as a lot of people like to call him. This... We have two stuffed animals in this house, in, in, my, in my apartment, uh, of, of Grogu. He's just you know, adorable, funny, you know, uh, unintentional comic relief. And, you know, we're watching him grow, and, and he's another, like, bridge character, right? You find out that he was in the Jedi Temple around Order 66. And, you know, his relationship with Mando is just, it, it's funny, <laughs> Mando starts off so cold and so ruthless, and then he has to raise this. You know, it's a fit. Grogu's fifty years old, but he's essentially raising him like he's a child. You know, eating like the eating the eggs. I forgot what the character was, but um, but he's there. You know, that that's that that's his thing. Just watching him kind of grow and smile and laugh and and just 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 do just adorable stuff like. <laughs> You know, watching him train with Luke Skywalker in the Book of Boba Fett episode, I think I think it was five. You know, he's leaping around, he's eating, trying to eat frogs. He's uh, he's very distracted, very distracted. But you know, he's, he's skipping around. He's walking with Luke. He's got his giant sweater thing, uh, and Luke is you know Luke has to force move him because his steps he's so little and his steps are so little so Luke has to force like guide him forward every now and then it's just he's just a cute character and yeah I thought they did a really good job with him he's those big eyes the big ears just absolutely adorable so Grogu comes in at number I believe that is 14 13 excuse me number 13 for me number 12. This one I'm going to put uh, Padme Amidala. All right, and a lot of people didn't care for the love angle between her and Anakin in the in the prequel trilogies. I really appreciated what Padme brought to the table. Um, you know, it, by the time Return of the Jedi finished up, you know, we we knew that Luke and Leia were brother and sister. We knew Darth Vader was their father. There was a slight reference to their mother in in the book, which or in the movie, which was you know. It, it it's it doesn't make sense now that Leia would remember her, but um, but Padme was you know it, you know what she becomes you know Natalie Portman's portrayal of her she was one of the you know the the faces I guess of that the 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 prequel trilogy and you know one of the aspects of Star Wars that we're going to talk about with a few more characters is you know the politics and stuff and. You know, Padme held these virtues about, you know, democracy and, and, and the good in it. She was like, she represented what was good. She knew what could be best for the Republic and what could be best for people. And she was caught up in all of the, you know, like the, like the bureaucracy. And, and she's seen, you know, obviously her situation on Naboo led to Emperor Palpatine getting pushed to power. But she... You know, she kept fighting the good fight, and she challenged Chancellor Palpatine, and and you know, of course, her relationship with Anakin was you know quite a wild ride, especially in Episode Two. But you know, to get to see 
who Luke and Leia's mother is and, you know, what she stood for, the good and things. And, you know, when her and Anakin met on Mustafar and she was like, oh, my God, you've changed. Like, how could you? And this it was like it was it was kind of sad to watch. Like her heart was legitimately broken. She had this secret relationship with Anakin, was raising his, you know, it, well, she had, you know, was having his children. And, um, you know, he turned to the dark side. I know it was for her sake, but. You know, it was just it was just pretty powerful and emotional stuff, and you know that love arc is one of the big reasons why Anakin fell to the dark side. So, and she, you know, she was pretty cool. She while she was a senator, she did use it. You know, she did get involved in the action in Episode One and Episode Two. She was, you know, using uh, you know using a blaster rifle. She was out there in the Battle of Geonosis. She you know part of the retaking of Theed. Really, really cool character. Really well done, I think, and uh, I think definitely an underrated character in in the grand scheme of Star Wars. Love Padme. Love Natalie Portman's portrayal of her. And uh, yeah, that's one of my first movie crushes. One of my first movie crushes. Shout out to Padme. Um, number eleven. Number eleven. This year I'm going to put our favorite little astromech droid, Mister R2. I don't know why I'm saying Mister. He's a droid, um, but R2D2. Is, that's where I'm putting, um, putting R2D2. Uh, unlike C3PO, which again, C3PO is on the top twenty list. Love him. He belongs there. But uh, R2D2 was was fun. He, he got in the action. Uh, <laughs> One of my favorite little bits from episode three was that opening shot where he did, he does the oil on the super, on the super battle droids, and then he torches them with his his, his rocket boosters. But uh, I remember sitting in the theater laughing at that. But R two D two is is you know he's he didn't care he was fearless, and they showed that in all of the movies, all of the movies got involved in the middle of the action where C three PO is kind of cowering. Um, because I mean, he's, again, he's a protocol droid, big, easy target. R2-D2 just, he, he put himself on the line for, for everything. Uh, you know, he was out there in the Belgian, you know, so he accompanied, you know, Anakin to Mustafar. He, uh, you know, saved the, the starship, essentially the, the queen starship and, you know, in episode one. And, and he's just, there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors why R2-D2 is pretty cool. Uh, and, and what he's been able to do. Always fearless, though. Always fearless, and that's why he's one of the favorites. That's why I have him the highest up between the two of them. So R2-D2, my number 11. And now we're into the top 10. Now we're into the top 10. Um, the original princess, the OG princess, Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia. Of course, uh, you know, she was uh, just like her her mom. I thought they did a really cool job. I mean, obviously, she, she was known about first, but they just did they did a really cool job of of you know Padme having like the same values of democracy and all this stuff and fighting the good fight that Leia would eventually you know hold true, and she was just as much of a badass as uh, as Padme. She'd use a you know blaster rifle when need be, but. Um, you know Carrie Fisher's growth, Princess Leia's growth throughout those movies is you know just a just the damsel in distress to you know just 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 being tough, right? Leading by example and being a really powerful female character in the world of Star Wars, right? Just being a, a, a total badass, which you know at the time it was a taboo kind of thing. Uh, Princess Leia's character is you know. Um, 
You can't have a star a, a top favorite uh, favorite Star Wars characters list without her. I truly feel. Uh, and her, you know, her post Return of the Jedi run you know, that ex- that expanded lore between Return of the Jedi and 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 The Force Awakens is pretty cool. We get to see glimpses of it in Episode Nine, where she was training to become a Jedi. She did have Force powers. Her and Luke were to get you know were training together and. Yeah, Princess Leia is it's cool. I wish we would have got to see more of Jedi Princess Leia, even though you know it, it didn't become a full fledged thing. But a uh, a very powerful character. She she was one of the ones who did she did very well as well in the in the sequel trilogy. It was really nice to see Carrie Fisher return uh, to prominence in that role. Number nine. Number nine. This is the only video game specific one that I have, and. You know, there's a, there's there's a couple good video game specific characters in Star Wars lore, but uh, this one I it, I immersed myself in the video in the game. It was it was neat. I, I think the fact that the game was so good helps this character out. But I am looking at Cal Kestis, who was the star of uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. The I think it came came out in 2018, 2018 or 2019. And, you know, he's a former Jedi apprentice. He's, you know, survived Order 66. He's, you know, hiding on, uh, I think it's Bracca was the, the, the planet. It's like his giant junkyard. And, uh, you know, an act, an incident brings him back to his Jedi roots. And this this really cool journey of watching him first relearn his connection to the Force and, you know, fight the, 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 the Sith Inquisitors, which become such a major character, you know, which become major characters in that time between Episode 3 and Episode 4. And handle himself pretty well, right? He's got a lot to shake off, you know, letting him, you know, watching his master die, you know, during Order 66. He, he's got a lot of emotional stuff, and but he takes this, this role um, as a Jedi very, very seriously. Right, he defeats the uh, I think it, it, Trilla in that game. One of the uh, one of the, the the major inquisitors. He survives Darth Vader uh, with a little help, but you know he has a chance to restore the Jedi Order, and he gets his hands on a on a Jedi holocron, and he makes a mature move to destroy it so that you know so that the Sith can never get their hands on it. He, you know he doesn't feel like he can bring back the Jedi Order, and he lets it go. He lets it go, and he does it with the best interest of not only himself, but the rest of uh, the, rest of the Force-sensitive children across the, uh, across the galaxy. So, really cool character. I do want to find his action figure. I believe they're doing a Jedi Fallen Order 2. It's supposed to come out within the next year or so, but... Uh, you know, between him, it's between like him and Starkiller was pretty cool from the Force Awakens games, but Cal Custis Custis was really cool. I did like his arc and uh, just all the flashbacks. There's a lot of there's a lot of character growth uh, playing that that full game with him. So that's my number nine. Number eight, Samuel Jackson's Mace Windu. How cool was that, right? Samuel Jackson in a Star Wars movie. Uh, in Star Wars movies, excuse me. And then when he, you know, it, one of the, you know, most badass characters, or, you know, just actors of all time, and he gets to portray this, uh, you know, a, a really, really cool and powerful Jedi in, in Mace Windu. Mace stands out a lot to me because just, I mean, just... <laughs> His expanded lore is is really neat. You know his his connection to the dark side, being so high up on the Jedi Order, 
I think he's like second to Yoda in the Jedi Council. Uh, but yeah, that purple lightsaber, man, it stands out because nobody, oh, I think Darth Reven, if you go to the expanded universe, has purple lightsabers. But like for a lot of people, Mace Windu, for everybody, Mace Windu was the first one to have one. And we all know why. It was because, I, I, to my understanding, Samuel Jackson has this stipulation in his contract that something that he uses has to have the color purple. And he, I think he negotiated hard with George Lucas to have that purple lightsaber. Um, but it's cool. And, you know, when we finally got to see him fight in Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, it was a real treat, you know, going toe-to-toe. He killed Jango Fett. Um, you know, going toe-to-toe with the Super Battle Droids. That was, like... Of all the expanded the, the Jedi that we were introduced to in you know episode one in, in that sequel trilogy that are outside the main characters, uh, he was the one I was really looking forward to seeing. You know, get use the lightsaber in, in some cool, cool, you know, cool former fashion. He was a bit of a dick, and of course, as a you know big part of Anakin turn to the dark side, he did treat Anakin like poo poo, but. Uh, you know, his little duel with, with Darth Sidious was, was cool. I remember getting excited watching that. Uh, not the best lightsaber battle, but it was just cool to see Mace Windu do that. And that, of course, is his end. Some people still think he's alive. I don't know if that'll ever work out. You know, just handless. But, uh, you know, this he's the first big domino, and really the first big domino to fall in Episode 3 as Anakin starts to turn to the dark side. Uh yeah, Mace is a pretty cool character. Mace is a really, really cool character. Really powerful, wise, uh, highly regarded. I had his action figure, a couple versions of his action figures growing up. And, uh, yeah, I always, I just thought it was really neat how they got Samuel Jackson to be a Jedi. Like, how cool is that? So that's number eight. Number seven. Uh, I'm going to put Yoda here. Yoda. A little, the little green friend. I, you, you can't have a again. Well, I'm at the point now where you have to, you kind of have to have all these characters on, and these characters have to show up in somebody's top list. But Yoda is crazy. You know, is really really cool. You know, you get to see him as this this little old sort of adorable teacher character in Episode Five. You know, Luke's training, Luke's being trained by him on Dagobah. You know, he doesn't have a lightsaber, at least, you know, in the original trilogy. But he knows so much. He's a teach, you know, uh, you know, a, a big teacher of the Force. He, he speaks in riddles. He's got this adorable laugh. And then we get to see him in the prequel trilogy, and he's actually a complete badass. And I, I know a couple people who don't care the, for the fact that he, ha- he does have a lightsaber in the prequel trilogy. But one of my, one of my favorite scenes of the prequel trilogy was seeing him fight Count Dooku with a lightsaber. And, you know, it, the contest has to be decided, you know, in a in a lightsaber duel, something like that, like Count Dooku said. And Yoda pulls out a lightsaber and, and does it. And, and, you know, he becomes one of the, the main feature characters. He goes after Darth Sidious. And ultimately, if you look at his legacy, it's, you know, it, it a lot of things that he did and didn't do led to the fall of the Jedi, Led to the fall of the Jedi. Um, you know, his his failure to recognize the dark side sooner, recognize the return of the Sith was a big problem with that. His failure to keep the Jedi out of a political, you know, out of the Clone Wars and essentially politics 
led to the fall of the Jedi. They became so intertwined, they lost their values as, you know, as far as what they stood for. But uh, Yoda's a, Yoda is a significant, I mean, he's one of the best characters. Um, a lot to, and they did a good job using him in Clone Wars. I, I, you know, I had a couple of Yoda toys. He's, he's a really neat character. So Yoda comes in at number seven for me. Number six is where I have Qui-Gon Jinn. All right, so aside from Luke Skywalker, you know, episode one was was my first, like, like movie that I got to, you know, grow up. It came out in real time. And, you know, the episode one focuses really heavily on, on Qui-Gon Jinn. And it's, like, it's sad, like, looking back because we invested so much time in him. And he ends up dying, uh... You know, but his actions were very, very important. Set things in motion for the uh, for the entire galaxy, for the entire Star Wars saga. Him finding Anakin Skywalker, bringing him to the Jedi, you know, eventually led to Order, you know, the Clone Wars, Order sixty six, the turning to Darth Vader, uh, all that stuff. Qui Gon's a very important character in all this, and you know, him surviving is one of those great what ifs in in Star Wars in Star Wars lore. Uh, very powerful but very suspicious of where the Jedi Order was heading. Very suspicious. He had Count Dooku-like thought process, and he was the, he was a bit of a, a maverick, a bit of a rebel. But um, but yeah, uh, Qui-Gon is, is, you know, that first master. And I was, again, I was sad that we didn't get to see more of him live action. Maybe someday, maybe someday we'll get to see that somehow. Uh <laughs> Maybe a young Qui Gon and, and Count Dooku show. I, I don't. I don't know, but uh, but yeah. So Qui Gon is my number six. Number five is where I have Emperor Palpatine. Emperor Palpatine is the greatest villain in pop culture history. You will never ever change my mind on that. Obviously, he was written very good, but. What a what a masterful plan that he had, right? Pulling strings from behind the scenes. It was a like a plan twenty, like fifteen years in the making, probably a little bit longer than that. A Sith Lord, the apprentice of Darth Plagueis, he gets into the political game. You know, as Darth Sidious, he creates this this trade federation situation, and finds his way to voting himself, and you know, getting voted in as Supreme Chancellor. He lasts a long time, and the entire time, the entire duration of Anakin Skywalker's apprenticeship, he's pulling strings and and, and putting seeds in his mind about you know the Jedi and what they failed at, and it's it's you, you see it, it's just little little things, planting seeds of doubt. And really manipulating the whole situation, manipulated the separatists, right? Manipulated the separatists uh, behind the scenes, but he manipulated them into, you know, going to war, you know, separating and going into the war with the Republic to give himself more power, more political power, so he can become chancellor. Uh, you know, manip- again, manipulating the Jedi into, get in, in a sense, you know, giving up, showing off, you know, Getting up their values and being viewed at as 
um, warmongers instead of protectors of the peace. Right? He he manip- found a way to manipulate the Jedi into giving up their core values, and in in a sense, being viewed at as just as bad as the separatists. People didn't want, didn't like seeing Jedi. There was a point in time where people were tired of the Jedi and the war. You know, when a Jedi showed up to your planet, it was usually not a good thing, because um, the war that means the war was following, at least in the Clone Wars era. Uh, just a master manipulator, and got Anakin to you know, just completely turn on, on the Jedi and everything he loved. And there's even like some if you read some of the comic books, Palpatine actually played a hand in in Padme dying. All right, he planted the the, the dreams that or the nightmares in his head. He had Count Dooku. This is an interesting thing. He paid he had Count Dooku uh, pay Tusken Raiders to go capture Anakin's mother and really start his drive to the dark side. It's if you read everything, it, or if, if you. If you really break it down, it's so well done. And yeah, just honestly one of the greatest villains in, in pop culture history, if not the greatest. You know, seeing him duel, like lightsaber duel was weird. It's still weird to me. But it, it was neat to see him with the lightsaber. But, you know, he's just this deceptively calm and peaceful old man. But he's really, you know, he's he's the purest of evil. And he uses... You know, he uses characters left and right for at his disposal with little regard for life. Uh, didn't care who he betrayed, but, uh, you know, he used him to rise to power. So Emperor Palpatine, number five. Number four, I'm actually very fascinated with the character Count Dooku. He was one of my favorites of the original, uh, excuse me, the, the prequel trilogy because, you know, uh, he was this pawn. He converted from the, the Jedi to the Sith uh, because he had a lot of views about where the Jedi, you know, were going. And, you know, he, his entire run as a Sith Lord was just used to set up the Empire. There was no intention of him, you know, becoming, you know, it, you know, becoming a big part of, of the Empire. It was legitimately just used to turn Anakin to the dark side and and get the galaxy prepped for um, for becoming the Empire. His entire run as a, as a Sith Lord, you know, the, again, the politic aspect, I guess in a sense, he did inspire, uh, you know, the rebels down the road, right? The separatists, it, you know, actually, if you kind of think about it, the separatists were this major, care, you know, aspect of, of rebellion against the empire for those planets that weren't occupied. But, uh, you know, Dooku was a master swordsman. He had a really cool lightsaber hilt and... You know, he was highly regarded as one of the best swordsmen of the gal, you know, in the galaxy. And his like, you know, like Anakin versus Count Dooku lightsaber duels were like this thing of of you know wonder. Like it's one of the greatest rivalries in, in you know in in the galaxy. That's the way that people perceived it. You know, these two going toe to toe, and you know, Dooku falling to the dark side. He knows all the tricks of the Jedi. He knows all the tricks of the Sith. But ultimately. You know, his entire existence as a Sith Lord was was used to prop up Anakin, and that's the sad thing. For those who don't know, um, in the Star Wars Episode Three book, I, I believe this is still considered canon, but Palpatine, you know, they're getting close to the end of the war. The Empire is about ready to to get set up and going, 
And right before the episode three duel between Anakin and Obi-Wan and Count Dooku, where Anakin kills him, Palpatine promises that Dooku, that he will, that they're going to create this Sith order. It's the rule two is going to be gone and Dooku will be Anakin's master, so to speak. He's promising him all these riches. He's going to play a major part of the, you know, of, of the new empire. And then when Anakin, you know, gets him, He's and that's this is why Count Dooku looks I and mean, part of the reason why Dooku looks at Palpatine when uh yeah, when Palpatine tells Anakin to kill him and you know, do it. There's such surprise in you know in you know on his face because he realized that he had been set up the entire time of his Sith run. He was just to be groomed. Or he's just to be, you know, just there to really groom Anakin and push him even further and further into the dark side. And it worked. But I, I sympathize for Dooku. I do want to see more of his, his you know, backstory, him and Qui-Gon Jinn. But, um, but Count Dooku is one of my favorite characters. Would love to see a little bit more from him. Number three is Luke Skywalker. Of course, the, the golden hero of the original trilogy. A son of Anakin Skywalker and Padme. Luke is so pure. And honestly, seeing him as a as a young kid in the Obi Wan trailer made me smile quite a bit because you know it, he's innocent. He's <laughs> his dreams and aspirations of being a, a a star pilot and all that. He has no idea what's in store for him throughout the rest of his life. He has no idea who his father is. Truly, is he's innocent. But uh, you know, Luke's I guess angle. His story, his story arc from going to Moisture Farmer uh, with his Uncle Ben, or yeah, Uncle Ben, Jesus, uh, this isn't Spider-Man, Uncle Owen in Aunt Peru, uh, you know, to one of the most respected Jedi, one of the most powerful Jedi of all time, who's, you know, whose training is, you know, not quite what previous Jedi had. It's It's one of the most unique training, you know, things, and it's pretty much just him. Right, Yoda teaches him. Obi Wan teaches him a little bit here and there, but he doesn't get the full fledged Jedi training. And his ability to, you know, withstand the dark side, no matter how much, how much that Vader and the Emperor, you know, tormented him, and actually, in fact, swaying his father back to the light side, is really, really cool. And this is why he's, you know, the hero that he, you know, he is redeemed. This is why I hate the, the sequel trilogy angle. And there's a whole lot, you know, how, how does a man, you know, like Luke Skywalker, how does he redeem Darth Vader but attempt to kill his own nephew? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I get, I guess a lot can change in a, a certain time span, but Luke is really, really good at what he does. And, you know, uh, of course, the, one of the most powerful characters in, in Star Wars lore. I, I, I'm so glad that they've been able to do this de-aging, like facial recreation technology and... You know, to see him in, 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 again, episode five of Book of Boba Fett, training Grogu. Uh, it, and actually, more so, you know, his, his cameo in at the end of season two of Mando, where he saves them and comes to get Grogu. Oh, it warms my heart. It's so cool to see, like, prime Luke Skywalker, like, Master Jedi, you know, just doing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just being awesome and just being great. Uh, using his lightsaber in like a in a modern era, like that's something I never ever thought I would see. So Luke Skywalker, tremendous character, number three for me. 
Number two is Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, with the new show, of course, it, it, there's there's so much intrigue about that 20 years, right? This is this is 10 years, in, you know, after Revenge of the Sith, 10 years until New Hope. And there's so much intrigue of what took place at that time. And they've had a new wrinkle. Of course, Obi-Wan is supposed to duel Darth Vader at some point. He has to face off of the Inquisitors. I think a lot of people just thought that he stayed on Tatooine. And, and honestly, until this show... You know, was was in the works. Was rumored that that's the that's the belief is that Obi Wan just kind of did his thing. He was a you know a hermit, lived in the desert for twenty years in hiding, of uh, of Darth Vader and the Empire because he did not want to be found. Um, you know, his upbringing, being trained by Qui Gon, getting thrust into being a master uh, way earlier than he truly wanted to. His brotherhood with Anakin Skywalker, and of course, you know, um, you know, hit a lot of his flaws. It helps push Anakin to the dark side as well. Um, you know, he, he wasn't the perfect master. He eventually acknowledged that. But he did get, you know, a second chance with Luke. He got to watch over him. And he's, a, you know, a really good duelist. I love his his his, his one-liners. Um, <laughs> Obi-Wan's smart-ass comments are some of my favorite things in in, in, in that the prequel trilogy. Um <laughs> he's he's a really well done character. I am so stoked that Ewan McGregor gets to uh, gets to come back and reprise that role in any shape or form. Is you know it it warms my heart. I am truly excited to see him and Vader go at it again. But Obi Wan, like it, you know, uh, you know the, the fight with Darth Maul at the end of Episode One when they go one on one is like this cool moment. You know, Obi Wan for it. This is why I love the way that George Lucas did. The Star Wars movies, right? So this, you know, obviously the the original trilogy came out first, then the prequel trilogy. It's so cool to see how he goes from the apprentice that he is in Episode One to who he was in Episode Four. All right, you know he becomes that, but what steps happen to get him to that point? And that was the fun of watching, you know, the movies the way that they that they were released. But yeah, Obi Wan, a master duelist, um, great swordsman, fun story story arc, and. Uh, Easily, and obviously, one of the most important characters in in Star Wars lore, in Star Wars history, uh, set a lot of things in motion. So, um, he's my number two, and then number one. Discussed it many a time. Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader is my favorite character. I know that's such an easy, simplistic answer, right? How could you not love Darth Vader and what he means to to Star Wars? I like the psychology of Anakin Skywalker and his fall to the, to the dark side. Um, I've talked about it many times. I did it once on the Let's Talk But No Politics OK show, my good friend Andrew Lenz host. But there's a, and I advise you guys to check, find that episode and check it out because I don't want to go on a tangent here. But, you know, the whole psychology of, of bringing, you know, being built, you're the chosen one, but people still don't trust you. People still treat you like garbage. And, you know, they fill your head, they fill your head up with, with delusions of grandeur. But at the same time, they don't like, you, you hear them behind your back. It's a very like relatable situation, right? Uh, there's there's a point if you really look at again Star Wars and 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 you know you, you don't just see it as you know Jedi versus Sith. There's Anakin has legitimate gripes with the Jedi Order, legitimate gripes with the Jedi Order, and you know his it's it's you know killing younglings isn't good. <laughs> um, but turning on his friends and stuff, he, he was just, he was, 
it's 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 really a tragedy. The story of Anakin Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. It's a tragedy. He's manipulated. Um you know, uh the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader is, is like it's it's beautiful. If you sit back and watch it's it's truly um you know, beautiful. It's sad, but it's beautiful. Uh and that's I think why I love the character so much. It it goes beyond just hey, he looks really cool and he's the most popular character. Um you know, I love Hayden Christensen's portrayal of him. I, I, I love so many aspects of, of Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. And it, it's just a lot deeper than just being the most popular character. It's relatable stuff. It's sympathy. It's tragedy. It's, you know, love. It's it's it, There's so many factors that go into all this. And uh, it re- really is one of the best characters um, ever written. I truly believe that. So uh, that is it, everybody. That is it. We got through it. Almost an hour long. Not too bad. Get really long-winded sometimes. That's the longest I've really ever talked by myself. But um, one of the longest episodes I've ever done by myself. But that is it. That is certainly it, everybody. That is my top 20 favorite Star Wars characters. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sticking with me. Um, we would love to hear your favorites. And, of course, be sure to check out the airing of Grievouses, which is supposed to debut. Uh, myself, Brian, and Johnny is supposed to debut and uh, in, on May the 4th, that is the plan right now. It's a debut of first. It's going to be a, like a roundtable kind of thing, table for three, open discussion about various movies, TV, show, you know, the shows, aspects of Star Wars. So until next time, do you even list?